either ho there and welcome to the next best episode of welcome to the new you i'm larry green i am the executive director and host of this podcast and i'm joined today by hannah and we're going to introduce her in just a little while but a little bit more about who we are and what we do over here we are the gainesville community counseling center and we are a nonprofit center that offers free and reduced rates for people in the community who need uh, mental health counseling, dealing with just about anything you can think of. Our phone number is 352-448-9120. And you can find us on the interwebs at www.gainesvillecounselingcenter.com. So one of the reasons we do this podcast is because we like to put resources and information out into the hands of the community. We like to give you uh, opportunities to, to learn about mental health in general and uh, what is available in and around Gainesville. And if we don't have it available in Gainesville, what's available nationally. And so we will come to you uh, we uh, weekly, right, Lexi? Weekly? Bye. When are we going weekly? Oh, Lexi always burst my bubble anyway so we'll talk about things like relationships and how to have a healthy relationship we'll talk about how to deal with conflict we'll deal with uh, issues related to sexuality and gender identity and uh, how to be a supportive person for people walking through that transition and any other questions that may arise you can email us questions at office at Gainesville Community Counseling Center.com and we will be happy to answer those if and when you give them to us. Good. So today um, we are here with Hannah and Hannah is going to talk with us a little bit about a wonderful resource that we have here in, in the Gainesville community. And it's the Crisis Counseling Center. Mm -hmm. Alachua County Crisis Center. Alachua County Crisis Center. And where are y'all located? Um, so we are actually housed within the Alachua County Health Department building, the same same building, but we're on the, um, the left side where all of the community support services are. So we're technically under the umbrella of community support with mm -hmm. housing, social services, veteran services, foster grandparent program, the Victim Services and Rape Crisis Center, and then we're, we're also there, too. So, Good. So I used to volunteer once a week at the health department, and I did pre-counseling there. So when you go into the main, the, uh, main waiting room, mm -hmm. your first door on the left or second door on the left? Correct, yeah. Area. The glass doors are the, the lobby of community support. So Good. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So before we get into the, the, uh, the work that you do, tell me a little bit about you and how long you've been there and what your role is. Okay, so first of all, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so I have been, actually I started volunteering at the center as a phone crisis counselor um, 10 years ago. Oh, wow. In January of um, 2012. And I was um, just going into graduate school to become a counselor. And that was, you know, I was told that was great experience for somebody who wanted to be in the mental health field. Sure. Um, so they have a, we have a pretty extensive phone training, counselor training program um, that lasts about seven weeks. So I started as a phone counselor and then I moved on to other roles um, and finished out grad school, took some time to 
raise a couple kids. I was a stay-at-home mom <laughs> for a little bit, uh-huh. um, and then did some substance use counseling. And now I've just um, last year, about about a year ago, came back on as staff. Um, and I've been in a couple roles since then, either both as a mobile response um, team, which is going out and helping folks 25 and younger. Um, with suicide prevention right. um, and safety planning, things like that. And then um, now, since February, I've been the um, projects coordinator, which is not very specific, but uh-huh. I um, oversee our care team, our mobile response, and also um, crisis intervention training for law enforcement. Okay. So, so tell me a little bit about the mobile response program. What is that? And so um, there's a couple, many different facets to it nowadays. Um, the center has been around since 1969, um, and it started out mostly as just the crisis hotline. Right. And then over time, we've built on that, and we have, um, we've always had what we call care team, which is a lot of times requested by law enforcement in the community um, if they're out on a scene, um, either something that's very traumatic or tragedy, cr- traffic accidents, unexpected death, sometimes death by suicide, right. um, things that people are just, you know, it's very fresh. It's emotional first aid, grief work sure. um, on, on scene. So we, we send um, two people out. We call it's, it's a, called a team, but it's usually two individuals sure. unless there's a big crowd and we can send out more. Um, a combination of volunteers and staff. So once volunteers have been on the phones for a while, they can move up into that care team role uh-huh. and they can be involved in mobile response. So we do, um, we respond, we, we do a lot of just um, crisis intervention in the moment um, and then we provide um, resources for, like we can, we can do free counseling ongoing for anyone who lives in Alachua County. Right. I think that's we're kind of like one of the best kept secrets in Gainesville because of, you know, it doesn't matter if you have insurance, it doesn't matter if you can pay. Like you guys, we want right. to, you know, provide that service to our community. So um, we, we usually hand out our cards with our crisis line number on it, which is 24-7, 365, and it right. has been since, you know, the late 60s. Um, and so there's there's the care team there's also the mobile response team and we have we are the provider for this particular county um and that's abbreviated as mrt so Mm -hmm. um that's grant funded Mm -hmm. um and it came about um after the parkland shooting um to address mental health concerns for young people um, in the community so it's prevention of um either you know suicidal ideation, um, homicidal ideation, anything, self-harm, things that um, that the targeted age group right now is 25 and younger. Um, And those usually, when we go out, they can be initiated by family, parents, caregivers. Mm -hmm. um, But most of the time, they're initiated by um, school counselors. So we we work really closely with um, the school resource officers and the school counselors and school admin in the county. Sure. They have a student that they're worried about. Um, and we go out and we do our assessment. Um, and, and the goal of a lot of this mobile response is to prevent unnecessary hospitalization. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if people are familiar with the Baker Act, you know, so that's an involuntary commitment to the hospital to protect someone. Um, but we like to see if we can mobilize their resources that they have in place. We can safety plan with them. We can recruit. Um, family members support or other systems, supports, right. exactly, um, and try to um, manage in a in a less 
sometimes those vapor wrecks can can be traumatic so if we sure. don't have to go to that level then we try to see what, what else we can do yeah and provide connect them with other resources um, provide referrals we always do follow-up check in on people see how they're doing um, so that's that's the you know care team and, and MRT teams those are both part of what we do yeah yeah um, now is the is the MRT are they are they I know that they're there is a group that goes out with law enforcement, but that's through Meridian, right? That uh, Meridian has, or I think it's Meridian, has uh, therapists or counselors on staff with, with law GPD. So that's a, that's a whole different thing. So this is, yeah. um, it's interesting you bring that up because we now are working really closely with our, these co-responder teams uh -huh. in the community. So, so um, that's y'all. So it's not us, oh. but we, we sometimes we show up at the to the same, same scenes. Things, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the co-responder program is is relatively new, I want to say. But um, Gainesville Police Department has three teams, so they have three officers that ride with three um, counselors mm -hmm. or therapists. Um, and I think Alachua Sheriff's Office also has one team, and now University of Florida has a co-responder team. Mm -hmm. So that's a law enforcement officer and a mental health professional riding in the same car. Um, and they, they go out to calls like similar to what we would, but if there's an element of violence or danger or something like we, you know, that we wouldn't feel equipped to handle, sure. that's more of a co-responder team. Um, and that's, we tell people sometimes on the crisis line, like if you have concerns about someone, they may be experiencing psychosis or they may not, you know, be safe, um, that when you can when you call dispatch you can request one of these co-responder teams yeah. um, now are they available because you said gpd has you think three teams does that mean they're available 24 7 so they're not quite they're, the aim is to hire more teams and they will be around the clock but uh -huh. they work they have like a early morning to afternoon shift and then they have another team that comes on in the afternoon to, to late in the evening so right. it's not quite 24 hours yet um but we're 24 hours with the mobile yeah. response and so if it's um Oftentimes, uh, it will be self-referral. So a client will call on the hotline, and um, they may not have social support. They may be sure. very alone. Um, and um, if they're local, if they're within Alachua, we're limited to the county. So right. if someone's within Alachua County um, and they they need it, like the, we feel like a face-to-face -face response would be more appropriate mm -hmm. or more helpful. Um, then we we sometimes dispatch our our care team to go and and be with someone and sit with someone. So okay. So how often, I don't need specific numbers, is that something that, that is frequently done, that you'll send out these the teams into the community? We do. Um, our staff, we share on call. So um, each of us have, or a lot of us have a day during the week or a 24-hour period um, where we're on call. And, and I would say it's not uncommon to get about average one or two sometimes two sometimes i mean it, it just ebbs depends and flows day, you know right, it yeah. depends on the, we've done days where you get three care teams in one day wow. but um I, I would say we we do a fair bit of, of mobile yeah. response what are some of the things that that are some of the themes that you're experiencing at your location as far as challenges that folks are having i mean i know it's difficult to say you know it's this this and this but right because there's a whole system behind what what's motivating you. But what are some of the some of the more common things that, that y'all experience? Mm -hmm. Well, people do come to us specifically a lot um, because they learn of us when they're in a crisis. Mm -hmm. 
So sometimes even when that crisis has passed, they might still be in a transitional period of their life. Either they've, they've lost a loved one, um, or they're, you know, dealing with substance use, or they um, are, you know, working through some other type of grief. Mm -hmm. um, we see, we've seen couples just for, you know, relationship stuff. We see individuals. Um, we work with a lot of folks that have had past trauma, um, uh, but we, we don't, because we don't take insurance, um, we don't have to diagnose. Um, and so we kind of, we're very, we work from a very client-centered model. And right. so it's just attending to those immediate, you know, person-centered needs. What's, what's going on for you right now? Yeah. How can we help you? So really just about anything. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like, you know, folks get into a position where they just feel overwhelmed by a number of things. <coughs> right. And they get to a point sometimes where they, they, they can't see a path out. Right. That's yeah. basically, yeah, the definition of crisis is when your your pressures outweigh your assets. Right. You know, whatever the situation you're in, um, it could happen to anybody at any time, but it's just when that balance beam gets tipped other to the other direction where, you know, a lot, my tools do, cannot handle this particular situation. I'm overwhelmed. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Which is much more common than people think. Absolutely. Right. And, and so... It's nice to know that y'all are there 24-7. Mm -hmm. um, how would somebody get in touch with y'all? So that, that crisis line, we have a local crisis line, um, and I can give you that number now and <laughs> again later too, yeah. but um, it's 352-264-6789. Okay. Um, and that, that is our local line. We also happen to be a um, 988 center, so I don't know if... Say a little bit, because that's relatively new, right? It is new. So yeah. um, the center, the crisis center has always answered, um, for, for quite a while, we've answered the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Mm -hmm. um, and that number is like 1-800-273-8255, which right. is great if you have it right in front of you. Not so great. <laughs> Not so great if you're in crisis or yeah. you're feeling suicidal and you can't remember that giant number. So... Recently, I think in July, they um, rolled out a shortcut, um, like in, you, you dial 911 in an emergency where you need mm -hmm. law enforcement or EMS. This is um, mental health and suicide crisis sh shortcut number. So 988, um, which is why if you notice, like there's no more local dialing, you have to dial an area code and a number. Right. Um, because of 988. So it's nationwide. Okay. Um, and I was wondering why all of a sudden we had to dial that. Exactly. I didn't realize they were linked. Because there's a 988 area code. Oh, right. And so, right. yeah, they've, they've had to switch things up. Uh -huh. So Because that, that, if you, you know, it works now. I was going to say if you dial 988 on your cell phone, it, it, that actually forwards to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Okay. So um, we are one of the the lifeline centers um and of course they're all over the state all over the country mm -hmm. um so that's one of the lines that we answer in our phone room okay. um and so, so if somebody does that 988 they mm -hmm. dial in it'll come to y'all so right now they, it is by area code which is not it's unfortunate because um eventually we they're hoping to go to geolocation uh -huh. so where, where someone actually is physically located right rather than area code because see like i grew up in a different state and i still have that area right, code. yeah mine would be forwarded to that center in the other state and we get folks who have 
used to live in Gainesville, have a 352, but they are now elsewhere. And it, it comes to us because of the area yeah. code. So it's eventually going to be more geolocated. Um, which would make sense. Which would make sense. Uh, and there, and there, it's still, I was going to say, there's still kinks and bugs that they're working out. But um, eventually it would ideally be, you know, the, the center that's actually closest to you. Yeah. Um, so, but if you do have a 352, <coughs> the odds are that your, your call would be forwarded to us. Um, and then we have, of course, backup centers in different counties that are surrounding right. Alachua. So. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's that's another and that's another twenty four seven shortcut. I was gonna say if you don't remember the local number or, um, and and it's also important to remember because I think some people call and they're saying you know I'm not I'm not suicidal. Is it okay that I'm calling? Absolutely, it's mental health and crisis and. Well, I think that's been the stigma. Like if I call this number, it's because I'm suicidal or or, mm-hmm. or, or I need a greater deal of care. Where no, if 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 you're overloaded. Or if you just need somebody to listen, right? Right. You find yourself getting worked up, and you don't have anybody around you. Or it's three o'clock in the morning; everyone's asleep. Right. So right. And, and so, yeah. Rather than let that stuff sit in and, and let it fester, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and talk about it. And For sure. And so, you know, that's that's normal. I was going to say what to expect if you do dial nine eight eight. The the call taker will ask, like, have you been, had thoughts about suicide, or are you thinking about killing yourself, things that's like true. that, because we do screen all the calls, but. That does not mean that it's not appropriate for you to call, even if you're just, you know, not just, but if, if you're having a crisis or you just need some support. Right. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so you know, September is the, the month we set aside, right, mm-hmm. for bringing awareness to suicide and suicide prevention. Right. Um, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you all on, you know, for this month. Not that that's all you all do, but... I would I would say that you'll probably um, encounter suicidality much at a much higher rate than a lot of other providers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we use that term, suicidal ideation. Correct. How do you how do you define that, and, and what does that what does that look like? Right. So, like many things in mental health, it's a huge spectrum. Um, and that, I think that's one of the major things that we train our call takers, our volunteers on the hotline um, to, to recognize is that th- it runs the gamut from, yes, sometimes thoughts about suicide pop up, but I don't have any intent to act on them. I don't have a plan. I don't know a uh, method or have right. the means um, all the way to I literally cannot stand this pain another second and I and I would rather be dead and, I, and I'm going to take action to make that happen. Sure. Um, and there's everything in between. Yeah. So we do a lot of education and as, about assessment and, and are really um, cautious and specific because mm-hmm. I think people who do call who've experienced suicidal thoughts are, are afraid that uh, if I call, does that mean that I'm immediately going to be hospitalized? Just having these thoughts, does that mean that I will, you know, then be involuntarily you know, committed to the hospital. Um, And so that's, that's why, you know, that's a major part of what we do on the lines is, okay, so tell me about these thoughts you're having. How often do they come up? And um, do you have a plan? We'll usually ask, are you thinking about killing yourself? Do you have a plan about how you would kill yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, And if you do, do you have those means or do you have a time frame? Do you know when you might try to do that? Um, and just to get more specific so we can pin down what level of danger someone's sure. in. And then we kind of weigh out what what are their support systems like, what are their coping mechanisms like, what usually helps when you're 
feeling this way. Um, and so that can make the difference, you know, just tr trying to de-escalate someone's emotions, finding out exactly how uh, severe that suicidal ideation might be, yeah. um, and then trying to see how we can help. And then a lot of times a call will, will de-escalate quite a bit, um, and someone feels heard and someone feels validated. Um, we always talk about, okay, so tell me, you know, we, we know that suicide is, is rooted in pain, you know, so what, what's going on? What are, tell me your reasons mm -hmm. for wanting to die. Um, what, where's, where's all this pain? Um, and, you know, how did it get this way? So we, we talk about that. Um, and then if someone feels comfortable and they're in a spot where they can talk about reasons for wanting to live or um, su support that they have, coping that they can engage in, um, and then sometimes it's like, hey, you know, it sounds like you're in a better place now. Would you would you promise to call us back if you're thinking about suicide again, if you're thinking about acting on those thoughts? And a lot of times the answer is yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just kind of letting people know that, hey, we're here all the right. time. Please so just give us because a call. you call doesn't mean you're going to end up being Baker acted or have the police show up at your door exactly. or the MRT showing up to, to do an assessment. Right, right. And so we, we like to um, place you know, power and control and uh, as much as we can in, in the client's hands and because they're right. the expert on them. That's their lived experience. Yeah. They've been living with this for, you know, however long. long and yeah. um, so we try to just remind them of the, the tools and things that they can lean on. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're always honest with people about, you know, okay, this sounds like you're really in danger. And, right. and of course, when, when necessary, we have called. I mean, sometimes... Like I said, at the vast end of that spectrum, someone will call us when they've already taken some type of action. Right. Um, then you don't have a choice. And then, then we have to send yeah. law enforcement, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we, we try to, as much as we can, work with people, meet them where they are, and um, try to figure out what would be most, most helpful for them. Yeah. So part of uh, w what I think might be helpful also is, you know, helping people kind of identify some signs that that a loved one or a neighbor or a friend mm -hmm. may be contemplating um, suicide as as an answer and as a solution. Right. So, what are some things that you know the untrained people? Sure, the right, layperson who are trained in life, right? And what what should what could they be looking out for? Right. So, um, you know, I think I think uh, one of the misconceptions is that depression and suicide always go hand in hand, mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily true. Right. Um, and, but it could be, you know, someone could be experiencing symptoms of depression. They could be losing interest in the things they normally like to do. They could be isolating, um, sleeping more or sleeping less than usual, mm -hmm. changes in appetite, eating more, eating less. Um, they could be some of the behaviors. Sometimes people will start preparing, um, for, for them not to, to be alive anymore. They will start giving away prized possessions mm -hmm. or making plans well who's going to keep my dog if i'm not here right um planning for a future without themselves in it um and that's concerning for us um sometimes it, it could be after uh, a trauma major trauma so mm -hmm. the loss of a loved one or the loss of a job the loss of a relationship right um major life transitions can trigger thoughts about suicide sure. um and i think that you know just whatever is out of someone's usual norm if you know someone really well and they haven't been themselves uh, a lot of times people will come out and say it and i think that 
there's uh, there's some stigma and there's some taboo about talking about suicide. One of the most harmful myths about suicide is that talking about it is going to make gonna it, create it more likely to happen, yeah, yeah. and that's absolutely not true. Um, and so people will they will flat out say, "I just don't know if I can do this anymore," right. or um, "I I." y'all would be better off without me or mm -hmm. sometimes I just wish I could go to sleep and not wake up you yeah. know and it's not super direct but sometimes you hear these thoughts and if your gut I'm just going, tired yeah I'm really tired I'm super exhausted yeah. can't, I just can't I don't have the energy for it exactly yeah. well that is one of the, the difficult things you know because when I work with um, adolescents in particular and mm -hmm. you know, they can sometimes be very emotive and sure and express themselves yeah, in that very, way. Very much so. Right. Or the other population is is the elderly, right? Mm -hmm. Who who have seen most of their friends die, their their loved mm -hmm. ones have died, and, and they'll make comments like, "I'm just tired of living." Right. You know, everyone I love is gone. Right. right. So what what's the purpose? Right. Um, so if if I'm someone hearing that, mm -hmm. you know, what would you recommend that that I do or say or that, that might help to kind of determine what does that mean and wh what's going on with you. Right, and I think I think it's like exactly what you said, asking that person, what, hey, what do you mean by that? When you say that, it makes me really worried about you. Mm -hmm. And even asking what we, what we train on the phones is, it sounds like you're thinking about killing yourself, you know, or are you thinking about suicide? Are you mm -hmm. thinking about ending your life? And we try to steer clear of those euphemisms. Right. Are you thinking about doing something stupid or... Because yeah. in would, their mind, it's not stupid. Right, that point, right? it makes, very, it makes whole perfect lot of sense. sense. Yeah. yeah, and that's very vague, you know. That right. doesn't because someone could be throwing these warning signs or you know saying phrases like that, and I'm just so tired, and I just don't yeah. know if I can do this anymore. And if you go, it sounds like you're thinking about suicide, and they go, Oh, no, 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 no. It's not going to make them go. Oh, well, now that you brought it up, thanks for that suggestion. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's what people are terrified about, yeah. so they don't want to, you know, um, address it head on because they're so scared that yeah. it might put that plant that seed. But really, I mean, and what we found over and over and over on the on the hotline is that if you name it and the person's not experiencing it, they just say no. But that actually gives them so much leeway to talk about what is going on. Sure. So if like if if this person, if Larry is comfortable enough asking me about suicide, that means I can probably trust him to talk about anything, right? Um, up to and including that. And so if you're willing to risk that and name it um, and, and just be really honest and genuine with concern, um, but not in a patronizing or judgy or right. shamey way, you know, we don't want to go, oh, you're not thinking about killing yourself, are you? Like right. that implies a lot of judgment. Right. Um, but like I said, if we understand that suicide comes from a place of being overwhelmed with the pain that you're in, um, you know, it's it's not about being a coward. It's not about taking the quote quote easy way out. Right. It's not, you know, it's not giving up. It's um, that everyone has a threshold that they can tolerate. And you've reached it, and that's that's it. Right. So, so asking somebody directly, you know, it sounds like mm -hmm. you're you're contemplating suicide. Is that right? Is that true? That's okay, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And and then, is it is it appropriate if the answer is, uh, you know, I'm thinking about it, right? Uh, you know, continuing on and saying, well, what have you thought about? 
Right. Do you have plans? What would you do? And right. Those sorts of things. Right. And for a lot of people, that feels very awkward. Right. And feels very uh, scary. Super scary and uncomfortable. Yeah. So mm-hmm. one option would be, yeah, you can have that conversation with them. The other option might be, would you feel, would you feel okay if we called? crisis center the crisis yeah and and i think we get a lot of we do get a lot of calls from concerned loved ones mm-hmm. um you know my my son or daughter or mom or uncle or roommate or whoever is not been themselves and really worried about them um and we can walk people through talk people through how do you want to address it with them mm-hmm. and also we we sometimes will offer like hey we can give them a call if you're okay with that, would you like one of us to, to reach out and, and check in? Right. Um, so either, you know, like you said, we can we can provide tips on how to talk about suicide with someone mm-hmm. you're worried about, or we can we can follow up with them. Um, but then, yeah, if, if you feel like it's 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 out of your depth, it's it's too or you're too close to it, and it's it's too scary, too scary, or really triggering. If mm-hmm. you've dealt with suicidal thoughts yourself, and um, you know, then it's okay. It sounds like sounds like you're thinking about suicide who who do you trust in your life who who do you feel safe to talk to about this and if right. it's not if they don't have a therapist or a school counselor or a trusted um, friend or adult if they're minor you know then um, then the crisis center is a great option good yeah. um, so you, you, you talked a little bit about um, volunteers and training. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about ways in which people can become you know, involved in helping out and how they would potentially get some training. And Sure. So um, we have three times a year, um, we have our volunteer phone training class. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually the next one starts September 17th okay. um, of you know, this month, 2022. So... Um, that's just next Saturday, but the, the training program is seven weeks long. Um, every, every every day, or it, so it starts on a Saturday. The uh-huh. first day is always on a Saturday, um, and then after that, it's each Tuesday and Thursday evening. Okay, from six thirty to nine thirty p.m. So it's after work hours, um, but it is pretty intensive. It's it's a lot, but it's um, I mean I can say from experience, I, I learned more about you know active listening, paraphrasing, reflecting, feeling, crisis intervention suicide assessment I mean I j- that's been so vital for me in, sure. in my counseling career um, just those basics and skills so it's it's quite intensive it's but like I said seven weeks long and then um, people will do um, observation shifts where they observe other active volunteers on the phones um, and then they will have their supervised shifts where they have we have in-house trainers that will be with the new volunteers yeah as they do their first few shifts um, and kind of gradually ease people into it. Um, and uh, so we then we ask for a six month commitment um, after training is finished. And so that's 24 shifts. Um, and that breaks down to if you do one sh- four hour shift a week, that's six months. Okay. So for six months after training. Um, but then a lot of times, like I said, people elect to stay on mm-hmm. and they will join our crisis, um, excuse me, care team, um, mobile response and, um, and or the in-house training team, the training team. There's a lot of different roles. We're yeah. very volunteer centered um, at, at the crisis center. So staff, we view ourselves as mostly support um, for the volunteers. They're really the heart of what we do. Um, and so, um, but yeah, if people are interested in being involved, 
they can Google how to volunteer Alachua County Crisis Center um, and our website's pretty easy to navigate. There's a there's a link for that. There's a you can fill out an application online, and then our training coordinator, um, Kevin, will reach out to people and speak with Kevin, them. Kevin, just email Kevin. Uh, just email just Kevin. Just email Kevin. Yeah, the co- our contact staff contact info <laughs> is on our website as well. Yeah. If Kevin listens to this, he can feel. Don't tell him to email me. Uh, right. <laughs> He's a busy guy. His inbox is full. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so he, we we take applications e- even up to the week before training if the class isn't full. So okay. um, if anyone's now interested. Is there a particular age cutoff that people need to be mindful of? We, we like for folks to be at least, I think it's 18 or 19, you know, and, and we, we try to take everybody on a case-by-case basis. And mm-hmm. a lot of our volunteers um, are in undergraduate studies and psychology or social sciences of some sort um, but we have we have pre-med students we have folks in grad school we have people who are retired and wanting mm-hmm. to get back to the community so really anybody um, who has some extra time on their hands wants to learn about mental health and crisis intervention um, we just encourage anybody in the county and yeah. um, right now we're also we're we have our physical location in the health department building, but we also, um, a lot of our phone volunteers can work remotely. Okay. So they can um, take calls as long as they have a private space like where they live. Right. Um, and so transportation has become less of an issue. All of this used to be only in person, yeah. but now we, we have some remote. It does, does, uh, does the remote nature also apply to the counseling that y'all do for so individuals and couples yes yeah our um our counseling we have staff who see clients we also have graduate student interns who are at different graduate programs and they see clients um in person and on telehealth so we are doing some zoom sessions um, okay mm-hmm. and how would somebody uh, schedule an appointment you know to, for for counseling same number so that crisis hotline number uh-huh. um 352-264-6789 is uh, mm-hmm. you could schedule an appointment at two o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning if you wanted and to. And there's no limit on on how many appointments they can have. They just need to be a resident of Alachua County. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So we work with people and kind of try to figure out, you know, what what's the most appropriate, um, you know, length of treatment. But we aren't mm-hmm. bound by you know insurance or by number of sessions. Um, we can really just kind of determine what's most appropriate right. for people. And. If we have uh, non-English speaking folks, mm-hmm. do you have opportunities available for them to to obtain counseling as well? We we have a few counselors that can that can speak different languages, um, but that's that's a, a few and far between. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's tough. We do um, the best we can, but we can at the very least um, see somebody for an intake session and mm-hmm. then refer and make sure that they get what they need um, but we also we have worked with um, a translation line on mm-hmm. the hotline and we um, have had interpreters who work at the health department come yeah. and you know so we can we can definitely find ways rural wo- total aside but rural women's health program has set up a um, a group through the Ginny project I don't know if you're familiar with mm. that through the city and so they've got a language line that they've mm-hmm. contracted with so that's who we're using here's like a hundred bucks and you only pay for what you need and oh nice which is nice i mean you just call that number they do the translation for you which basically live mm-hmm. yeah yep mm-hmm. it's live simultaneous mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. anyway that's yeah we, we do so. use that on the hotline for sure and we d- we have um one staff 
member who's um, fluent in Spanish, and we have another staff member who speaks Mandarin. You know, so we're mm-hmm. um, we're also expanding our staff a lot over the next um, year or so with beco- becoming a 988 center yeah. and um, the little How are y'all funded? program. So we're we're actually um, we used to be completely county funded. Yeah. Um, so we still get most of our funds from from the county budget, um, but now that we have the MRT program, the mobile response, and 988, we do have some grant. Mm-hmm. monies for those particular programs are people able to donate like a just a regular joe blow come and donate to to the crisis center yes yeah, so we actually have an organization called friends of the crisis center um and people can make donations to the friends because we do a lot of our like volunteer development sure. and support um that we get from that you know organization that nonprofit. um so um Yes, if anyone's interested. And what's was a friends? Friends of the Crisis Center. Very mm-hmm. good. We also, I was going to say too, um, one of the other things we um, provide is a memorial. Excuse me. There's a survivors of suicide uh, right. um, memorial garden. Um, it's located at Cofran Park, off of Eighth Avenue. Uh huh. Um, and so that is a really lovely, um, contemplative spot mm-hmm. out in nature that's dedicated to the memory of people who've died by suicide um, and you do a, a an annual we have garden work days yeah. the volunteers do a lot and then we have um, a vigil um, annually we also have um, a run by one of our vo- longtime volunteers and a staff member the survivors of suicide support group mm-hmm. and that meets twice a month and it's right now it's on zoom um, so there's there's information about the um, survivors of suicide group on also the on the website. Yeah. But that is um I think that is one of the things that people do seek us out for because it is such a specific type of grief. Sure. Um and just talking with other people who have had that same lived experience, knowing someone, loving someone who's died by suicide. Yeah. Um I think that people find a lot of solace in that. It's a it's a wonderful group. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the question that I always have. Is how do y'all? I mean, y'all hear and see and experience a lot. Mm-hmm. How do y'all take care of your staff and you know, kind of balance that compassionate side right. with the need for self-care? What does that look like for y'all? Absolutely. I, I think um, we could not do the work that we do if we didn't have an amazing, supportive staff um, to lean on. Where we're, we have to be very flexible um we rotate on call weekends and so um but we're very encouraged by you know our other staff members and supervisor of like hey if you need time take time um if you need help ask for help if you need to process something we we always there's multiple layers of like the phone volunteers when they're on the phones they have um, a consultant that they can call anytime and talk to them about if they're struggling or if they just hit, got hit really hard by a call and right. um, and then the consultant is also backed up by staff and then staff have other staff and so everyone has someone that they can lean on talk to process and and it's um, I feel very strongly like it's not just words like when my supervisor says don't come in you know take time off take a day off they um, mean it. They mean it. They really mean <laughs> it, and it's highly encouraged. And, and yeah. a lot of us, um, like I have my own therapist, and I and I, you know, do different different things for self care that are mm-hmm. super important, and and that is that is highly encouraged, and really it's vital because we right. c- we just can't, like you said, we we're, we're experiencing vicarious trauma. Sure. 
we're um, kind of on the front lines and, and just um, the on-call nature of it's unpredictable you right. never know and right. um, so we it's it's hard to kind of shift to that just flexible you never know what's going to happen but you're just kind of up and ready for anything whatever but yeah. but that also means you, we have to take our self-care really seriously yeah. and know when to ask for help well and I think that's a good kind of a segue into you know the nature of, of folks who call the line and in society as general I don't think we do a very good job many times Mm-hmm. of providing that self-care right and, right and just taking a few moments to 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 breathe and to do some mindfulness maybe go out and exercise change your diet those sorts of things which when you're overloaded right becomes even more problematic those things don't feel very accessible i think you know when when self-care is like thrown around it's kind of a buzzword and people go oh well like what do you mean like take a bubble bath i don't know you know people don't know but for for me like that's i love to to do crafting stuff so i love to knit and weave and cross stitch and you know all all of these like things Mm -hmm. that or just um reading or taking a walk or it could be petting my dog or it it could be anything and everything that gives you some of those just minutes of mindfulness or right. a little bit just of fills a break. your gas tank a little bit exactly yeah it could be connecting or it could be spending time alone you mm-hmm. know and, and, and that's it's very individual but it doesn't have to be fancy and it doesn't have to be um, a beach vacation but it can be just like you said moments here and there throughout the day right um, to step back and take a break um, and and you know it just it's different for everyone but finding out what that is for you and then trying to actively do that at least a little bit every day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate uh, you coming and spending some time here. I hope we didn't overload you with... No, I, like I said, I could talk about the crisis center <laughs> for <laughs> quite a while. It's fe- It feels now being a part of it for about 10 years, it's, it just feels very much like home to me. Yeah. Um, and I do feel very supported and I'm very passionate about our, our work and our mission, like our... our um, motto is doing what needs to be done yeah so um we are very just honored to be a part of the community and honored to serve our community and have all these lovely community partners um and referral networks um because we know we can't do it all but we can at least you know hook people up with with where they need to go so well i'm glad that y'all are here Uh, i know the work is difficult and uh, i appreciate all of the the lives that you touch through the phone calls and through uh, the mobile response and for the ways in which you promote health overall. So thank you all for sharing your time with us. And I hope you know if there's anything we can ever do for you all, we're happy to do it. I don't have any money to give you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> no, <laughs> this I is <laughs> I can, this I can is reach out to the friends of the crisis center. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Later on, when I hit the lottery. Well, I just, I, I, being able to promote our volunteering is like yeah, that that's does, huge. It does a lot because it us. sounds like a lot of what y'all do is volunteer. Absolutely, based. we try we try to prioritize having volunteers on the phones um, because it's such a rich experience for them as well. Yeah, so give me that number one more time to uh, to call and schedule an appointment or uh, to get in touch with y'all. Sure, it's um, 352-264-6789. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you for coming and being a part of this. Uh, Once again, we are the Gainesville Community Counseling Center, and you can reach us at 352-448-9120 or on the interwebs at www.gainesvillecounselingcenter.com. 
And feel free to visit our one and only sponsor for the program. What is it, Lexi? Pleasurepoints.shop for all your adult pleasures. And catch us next time when we want to answer your questions, so send them to us at office at GainesvilleCounselingCenter.com. Mm-hmm.